0: nineteen, Psalm One nineteen, and um, appreciate you being here tonight. Um, we had the privilege of going to a Bible conference over in Murfreesboro um, Monday and Tuesday. We came back today, and um, the bishops and, and my family went, and we had a good time. Got to hear some good preaching, and and um, it's always good for a pastor to sit under some good preaching. So it was good to see that. So I also want to remind you tomorrow night, six p.m., ladies. It's in the activity center. It's a ladies' meeting. You need to make sure you're there. Men after the service if you can help us we need to set up some tables for that and for homecoming. So homecoming's this weekend. Invite someone to come your your friends and your family this this week. So let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 119 and we're going to look we're going to read 8 verses. I want you to just follow along. What I'll do is I'll read the first one and then you guys can read the next one so I know you're paying attention. We're going to start in 153. I'll read 153 and then I'll help you read, but you need to read all the even numbers. It says in Psalm 119 153 says this. Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Many are the persecutors and mine enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto in thy loving kindness. Thy word is true. Let's pray, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the things that you've done for us, Lord. Um, letting us have another week to serve you and another another day to honor you lord We give you all the praise and things and as I think of these There's so many wonderful things we could be thankful for and lord You've done so many great things in our lives. Let us be thankful As we look and see what you've done in our lives and and I think of the things you have planned for us May we truly be grateful and thankful for what you're going to do in the future also in jesus name. We pray Amen. If you look at your Bibles, Psalm one nineteen, we've we've almost got it all the way done. And these verses, of course, I told you that Psalm one nineteen is written about the Bible. And Psalm one nineteen, the ones we've read, have all they all have pertain back to God's word. Look at one fifty three. It says, "Thy law." One fifty four, "Thy word." One fifty five, "Thy statutes." One fifty six, "Thy judgments." One fifty seven, "Thy testimonies." In one fifty eight, "Thy word." In the very beginning of 159, it says thy precepts. And then, of course, at the very end, it says thy righteous judgment in 160. So they all refer back to it. And we've looked at that. I think there's been four or five that have not referred back to it. But David writes these Psalms in each eight verse sections. He shows different sides of David. For instance, when we looked at last week's, look at the crying in it. and talks about how he, how he wept over things. He says, I cried with my whole heart in verse 145. 146, it said, I cried unto thee. And verse 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. And then verse 148 says, my eyes prevent the night watches. It's all about his eyes and his crying and how he's over overly concerned about what's going on with him. Well, t- th- these eight that we're going to look at tonight, there's four different sections. And we're going to jump around on these. We're not going to go in order because I want you to see this. I want to ch- talk to you about deliverance. How many of you like having being delivered from something? All right, And we're going to talk about deliverance, we're going to talk about life, we're going to talk about opposition, and we're going to talk about how David's thoughts were about God's Word. We're going to look at all four of those tonight, we're going to go through these pretty quick, and I want you to see these as we look at these, so follow along with me and we're going to talk about deliverance. When I think about deliverance, it's look, look what I'm going through. Have you ever asked God, hey, look what I'm going through and help me through it? But let's look at these verses. Go to to 153. It says, consider mine affliction, and here's that word, and deliver me. You know, to us, sometimes deliverance means something different. For instance, when I was on this trip, um, I, I, I got a text message saying that my Amazon package had been what? Delivered. What does that mean? It's there. But here he's talking about this. When he talks about it, he says, consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. You know, it's interesting, I'm not forgetting what is important when I'm supposed to be delivered. Look at this verse again. What does he say? He says, I want you to deliver me, but while you're doing this, I'm not going to forget God's word. I'm not going to forget what your word promises me and your word directs me and your word tells me. Your word encourages me. So he says in 153, he says, when I'm going through this and I want you to deliver me, I promise you, Lord, I will not forsake thy law. So the first one is, I'm not going to forget what is important. The next one is, I'm going to beg to you to get delivered. Look at the next verse, 154 says this, it says, Plead my cause and deliver me, quicken me according to thy word. He's he's saying, listen, I'm going to beg for you to look at my situation and help me through it. I'm not going to forget God's word, I'm pleading this. Have you ever had your kids plead for something? Or have you ever had to plead for something? I'm not just talking about ask. I I can remember sometimes I would ask, and then there was sometimes I was pleading, Lord, please let me go to this. Uh, And I would say, Mom and Dad, please let me go to this. I remember one particular time that um, the the 4-H group was going to Kings Island. I don't even know if you know what Kings Island is. In Cincinnati, it's an amusement park. And what was funny is I didn't like to ride rides anyway. But all my friends were going. And so at that time, I didn't like to ride rides. I love to ride rides now. I don't know what happened to me. But I remember going, Mom, I really need to go, I really need to go. The only thing I could do with her is say, listen, my older sister TK is going, can I go with her? And I don't know if it was punishment for TK, but my mom said yes. And so I ended up going over there, and and I don't know, I'd never ridden a roller coaster before. And how many of you have been to King's Island? Anybody been to King's Island? All right, there's one called The Beast. It's one of their biggest roller coasters. And I remember sitting on that, my sister got me in there, and I wanted to get out. And and I was in the roller coaster, and I was like, TK, I don't really want to do this. And and so the lady came by, and about the time the lady came by, she put her hand over my mouth and grabbed my arms and put them down with the other one, and I couldn't say anything. Because when you get on that ride, you can't see the ride. And I got on there, and I was pleading to go there. Now I'm pleading to get off this ride. When you're in a desperate situation, you are pleading. Look at this verse. David says this, plead my cause. Plead my cause and deliver me. We've got to get back to pleading our cause to the Lord. And remember, if you're going to plead your cause, you better have it right scripturally. You've got to have it right scripturally to plead that cause because God's not going to do anything unscriptural. And so we've got to make sure we're right with this. But there's that deliverance. There's something about being delivered from something. And David starts these eight verses about being delivered. The first one, he says, listen, consider my affliction and deliver me. I'm going through something, I need you to get me out of it. The next one, he says, plead my cause and deliver me. He's not only saying, hey, look what I'm going through, but I'm telling you, I need you. Have you ever been at a point where you need the Lord? Man, there's times when you need Him, and you need that deliverance. So now let's look at the next part, life. How many of you like life? Amen. Life is something great. Now, when you look at the word life, there's three occasions that he talks about life. And sometimes the word quicken means teach, but on this occasion, it's talking about life. The, the, the definition, in, when it says quicken in these, in these three verses, here's the definition. To remain alive and to have life. So let's look at these three occasions. The first one, bring life according to thy word. Look at 154, it says, P plead my cause and deliver me. Now there's that word. Quicken me according to thy word. Now, that's an interesting statement when he says this. He's not asking God to change, he's just saying, Lord, when it comes to this, I want you to give me life like you said you would in in your word. Isn't that interesting? He didn't ask him to change. A lot of times I, I've met some Christians that walk up to me and say, I want God to do this. And then I think, well, show me a Bible verse that really backs that up. No, they're, they're, sometimes they're making their plead and their plead is not necessarily going the way the Bible is. And sometimes people pray about the weirdest things. But here he's saying, listen, I've looked at, your, at the scripture and I need life. Like you said, I could get from the scriptures. He said, listen, I need to bring life according to thy word. He's not asking God to change. I want you to flip over. to Go to Psalm 57. This is an interesting psalm. You've probably read this. If you've, of course, if you've read through psalms, you've read it. But this is an interesting psalm. Go to Psalm 57, and I want to just read one verse in this. And then I want you to see something. Um, go to verse number seven. It says, my what? Heart is fixed, O God, My heart is fixed. Then he says, I will sing and give praise. He's saying, through anything I'm going through, my heart is fixed. What's that mean? When I think of the word fixed, sometimes I think it was broken and he fixed it. But you know what he's saying? He's saying, it's not going to move. It's going to stay there. Um, And so you've got to understand one thing with this. David's saying, listen, I have got my heart fixed on you. I'm not going to move. Is that a good thing? Absolutely it is. We go to the very top of the um, top of the chapter, chapter one, chapter fifty-seven. Look at what it says underneath um, Psalm fifty-seven. What are the last three? Does anybody have any writings before the scripture starts in their Bible? What are the last three words in the cave? He wrote this while he's fleeing from Saul, and he says, "Listen, my heart is fixed." I'm going to do what's right no matter what. And you know what? When he wrote that, Ray, he was in a terrible situation. He did run. He said, listen, I'm going to stay where I'm going. I'm staying where I'm at. And I'm going to move forward and I'm going to do what God wants me. It's my, my heart's fixed on you. You know, it's so easy to say when everything's coming up roses at your life, you're saying, oh man, I could do anything for the Lord. But it's another thing when you're living in a cave with a bunch of bad people. And David writes this while he's, written, while he's living in a cave. It was not one of his best moments. But you know what? He understood what God had for him, and it wasn't his time to be that king. And here, the one that is the king, he won't attack that king while he's living in his cave. The king is trying to seek him, and King Saul is not trying to seek him to put his arm around him. He's trying to put a spear through him. So he says, listen, in the midst of this cave, I'm going to stay fixed. I'm going to hold to what I need to hold on to. And that's why he says in the scripture that, you know, you've got to go and say, listen, I want to be, I want to have life in my life. And I'm wanting that life that you promised me in your word that you would give me. You know, sometimes we just need some encouragement. Amen. Am I the only one that needs encouragement? How many of you like Encouragement. I mean, it's, it's okay to encourage somebody. It's okay to be nice to somebody. And he's saying in this scripture, he's saying, listen, you have promised me you will give me life, and you'll give me life as you promised in your word. The second thing is this, bring life unto me according to thy judgments. Go to 156. It says, great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Now, that's an interesting thing. He's saying, give me life by my judgments. Now, when I think of judgments, what do you, when you think of judgments, what do you think of? Almost God correcting you, right? Now, there's no way David would ever say that. Read, read this one more time. Quicken me according to thy judgments. There is no way David would have ever said that to God if he wasn't right with God to begin with. He had to be right with God to say, listen, quicken me to your judgment. Give me life through your judgments. With with whatever you've done in the past, I want those judgments brought upon me. Because his heart was pure. He's a man after God's own heart. Yeah, sure, he messed up with Bathsheba. But he had gotten that right. And he he had worked and worked and worked. He said, listen, I need you to give me life according to your word and to your judgments. Now watch this, this last one that's found in there. Go to page, go to, go to verse 159. It says, consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Now it's not only the word, the judgments, but now it's loving kindness. You know, I, I wrote this down. It says, bring life unto me according to, to my love to you, God, and your love to me. Lord, I know you, you know I love you, and I want you to bring that loving kindness to me. And you're going to see these in some of these verses when we go back and we look at some other things. God knows your heart. Look at what He's asking. Look Look at the word He's saying in verse number 159. It says, what's the first word in 159? Consider. You know, when I think of the word consider, you know what I always think of, what story I think of? When God talks to Satan and He says, have you considered... My servant, who? Job. He's saying, consider consider this, Lord. I want this this love, and you know I love you. But I want to have life through that loving kindness. You know what? God will swoop down and put his arms around you and take care of you. It's not always going to be perfect. God's always going to be perfect, but your situation might, and you know what? God might have you going through something so you can see his love. He's here, to show you, and look at this, he wants you to get, David is saying, I want to get life through his word. That's a great thing to do. Through his judgment and through his loving kindness. But through all these things, it sounds like a great, great passage. But then all of a sudden you realize when he writes this, there's a lot going on in his life. Because again, I want you to look at the next. And Now we're going to look. Not only we've looked at um, the deliverance, we've looked at the life. Now let's look at the opposition. Look at the opposition, what it says, what he has. In verse 157, it says, what's the first word in 157? Many. Now he was king. And when you're king, you you have a lot of people against you. Not only do you have the the, the enemies that want to fight, take over your kingdom, but you also have inner inner things that are going on and, and you see it in David's life when you study. He says, many... Are my persecutors and mine enemies? He's not. He's saying. He's, he's stating the obvious. He's saying that. Listen, there's a lot of people against me now. Remember, we've already said what he's wanting. He's wanting life through 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 his word, through the judgment and, lo- uh, and loving kindness. And amongst all this, he's got all these people battling with him. It says in verse number um, 157, if you keep reading, it says, Yet do I not decline from thy testimony?" He's saying, listen, I'm not bringing it down one notch of what I think about your word. I'm going to follow it. Because remember, I get my life through your word. Even though people are against me, I've still got to go to this life. I need this life. We're always going to have opposition. We had a, uh, when we were at the conference, there was a preacher that's a well-known preacher. And he got up and told a story. And the story goes this way. That um, he had some people mad at him at his church. Or not from his church, but from outside the church. So what they did is they started picketing outside of his church. And they would hold signs up that was just basically slamming the pastor. You're talking about a church that runs four or 5,000 people. And they're holding these signs up against the pastor. And so... He, he, he called, he had police officers in his church. He called them in. He said, listen, what can I do about this? They did some research on it. And, and he said, they're walking on the sidewalks in front. He said, and no one wants to come visit a church or is, they're holding signs up against preacher and against church. Well, the police officer said, you don't understand, you don't own that sidewalk. His response was, we built that sidewalk and put it down. He said, but when you build it, you sent, you sent the lease to them, and the city now owns that sidewalk. So he's sitting in a business meeting the next week and he goes, and he was saying, I don't know what to do. And he goes, but I got an idea. He said, we might not own the sidewalk, but we sure do own the sprinklers. So that next Sunday, they went out there and they turned the sprinklers on these people. He said, they did not miss a beat. They just kept walking through the, he said they were walking through the rain and all the way through it. And he said, they were soaked by the time it was over. They never left. So he got back in the next business meeting. And he said, I don't know. He goes, I don't know what to do with this. And he said, I got an idea. Here's what I'm going to do. He looked at one of his staff men. He goes, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go to the costume store. And I want you to get a devil's outfit. I want, I want, I want horns up there. I want you to hold a pitchfork. I want you to have a tail on it. And he said, When they start picketing, I want you to go out there and picket with them. And so the next Sunday, here they are. And here this guy comes in a devil's outfit. But I didn't tell you what he put on the sign. He made a sign just like the picketers, and it said, I'm with them. Did you get in a second? So all these picketers are around, and there's a devil walking around and says, I'm with them, pointing to the other picketers. He said, They got so frustrated because they couldn't get him off the picket line because that he's doing exactly what they're doing, that they never came back again. I'm telling you, sometimes you sit there and go, what are people thinking? What are people thinking? You've got some enemies. You're going to have some, look at what else it says. It says they're wicked. He's telling his opposition. He says, listen, there's some opposition. The opposition is there's many of them And verse 155, it says, not only that, salvation is far from, and he labels them, the wicked. And it says, for they seek not thy statues. He's already declared that he wants life through the statues. And he's saying, these people people are totally opposite of where I am. They don't want the statues. They don't want the law. They don't like anything you're doing. You're always going to have opposition when you're doing something right. So just move forward, move forward. So many oppositions. Then it says afflictions. Go to verse number 153. It says, Even though through my afflictions, I don't forget your word. The worst thing you can do when you have a problem is forsake God's word. The worst thing you say is, Listen, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to read my Bible. You know who tells you that? The devil does. The devil does. I know a preacher one time where the people looked at him and said, listen, I'm praying that your ministry and your school fail. Preacher looked at him and said, hey, that's a great prayer. I, get, I, I bet Satan's really happy about that one. I'm telling you, when you look at these things, you go, wow, there's, there's affliction. There's going to be some problems. That's what life is. Going through Problems. And understanding that Christ is walking hand in hand with you. The scriptures never failed you. God's never failed you. But you're going to have afflictions. Now watch this. But you've got to watch your attitude towards those against you. And towards those afflictions. We've already discussed this. What are the two questions you ask when you go through an affliction? God, what are you trying to teach me? And God, what have I done? But I can tell you that David had the right spirit. Because you see it manifested in him. Watch. Could he have killed King Saul? On numerous occasions he could have. Could he have thrown the spear back at King Saul? Yes, he could have. But what did he do? And I want to tell you something. David was more a, 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 a hunter and a warrior than, David, than, than Saul was. Remember what the people would say when he came back? Oh, look, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his what? What? 10,000. Don't kid yourself. David could have done it. And if he took Goliath by a stone, he could have taken Saul out because Saul was no match to Goliath. Even Saul himself was scared of Goliath. Okay, let's move it back a little bit further in his life. When his son Absalom tried to take over his kingdom, what did he do? He was going to give it to him. And then when his son that was going to take over his kingdom died, what did he do? He mourned over him. See, this was an attribute that David had. He understood what his attitude should be. Now, let's go to the, Old Testament, the New Testament. The New Testament says what? Love your enemies. Well, there's a picture in the Old Testament of loving your enemies. Watch this. Go to this verse and you'll see it. We haven't read this one yet. But I want you to go to verse number 158. David's look at his afflictions and his problems. 158, it says this. I beheld the transgressors. What he's saying right there is I looked at the people that were doing these things to me and he does not say I'm going to lash out at them and take care of them. That's not what he says. In fact, here's the love your enemy in the, in the Old Testament. It says I beheld the transgressors and was what? Grieved. What does that mean? And I don't think he was grieved, Ray, because of what they were doing to him. I think he was grieved at them because of the way they were acting. Because he points out something to them. He was grieved. Look at the next statement. It says, I, was, I beheld the transgressors and was, was grieved because they kept not thy word. He's saying, listen, he, he looked at him, and he, and, he, and he understood what opposition was going to come. There's not a person in the Bible that there was not opposition with. Elijah, Elisha, both of them. Adam and Eve, there's opposition. Abraham, there's opposition. Jonah, of course, there was opposition. Every one of them had opposition, but I like how David responds to him. He says, listen, I I see them, and he said, I'm grieved over it. He said, I see how they do, and, and I'm grieved over it. Because they kept not thy law. And have you noticed that everything that David says, it goes back to that law. It goes back to it. Because that's what he based his whole life on. It wasn't about his opinion. Everybody has opinions, right? Some of you like some types of music that I don't like. I like probably some of the music that you don't like. There's colors that I like that you don't like. There's probably teams that I like that you don't like. If I were to t- stay in here, how many of you are North Carolina Tar Heel fans? How many of you? I mean, I've seen light like, blue shirts over everywhere, but no one likes the Carolina Tar, tar Heels. Anybody like them here? Okay, okay, there's, there's two of us. And I, I, I won't tell them, Mrs. Moody, it's you, but there's two of us in here. And you know what? If I say, how many of you like Tennessee Volunteers? Raise your hand. You better raise your hand, sir. I'm waiting for you to raise your hand. Okay, all right. The, the, we all have different opinions, right? we've got to get back to understanding we're not all going to agree about everything. But when it comes to opposition, if you don't treat it the right way, it will destroy you. Because you know what opposition does? It brings bitterness to you. I mean, in minute, when you're in ministry, people say, you, ministry is so fun. It is, but it's hard too. You sit there and go, oh, okay, you know. I read something on Facebook one time about me, and I started disliking myself. I was like, who is that guy? And I found out they were talking about me. You know, people will say mean things, and, and I got off of Facebook for it. But you know what? Some of these things are consuming. Facebook is consuming. And you know, oh, I got I to check it one time before I go to bed. And it's the same thing over and over again, and you got to watch it. We've got to watch our opposition. How do you treat your opposition? But then I love what he does. He talks about being delivered. He talks about having life. And then he also talks about all these oppositions that he has. And I think it's a great thing because God will give you life and he'll deliver you through his word through these oppositions. But never, never forget this. You are not wrestling against flesh and blood. People think that we're wrestling with people. That's not what we're doing. When when you get mad at somebody in a scriptural way or a non-scriptural way, it's because they're not following what the Bible says. You can't expect the world to be, be right. We can't expect these things going on in America to be correct. You're never going to get the Palestinians to sit down with the Israelis and never have an argument. It's not going to happen. Israel, if you look at it on a map and you see how small Israel is, that the Arabs have everything around it. And it's just a small little thing. It'd be like us fighting over Rhode Island. Let's, oh, we gotta have it, we gotta have it. And we hate Rhode Islanders. Rhode Islanders, I guess you would say. We just don't like them. That's ridiculous. They want. They, and you know what, even if they took the country, they'd still go after the Jewish people. It's a biblical thing. There's always going to be this fighting. But when it comes to your heart, you've got to love God's Word for His Word, for His judgment, and for His loving kindness. And when you put it in there, and you have His Word in your heart for what it is, for the judgments and loving kindness, all of a sudden, you know what? If you say God is your judgment, then you won't judge people. You'll understand that they're people, and they're going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you can't go to them and say, hey, you're making this mistake. I've made it before. I can help you through it. But everybody in this room, last time I checked, we're just sinners saved by grace. We're just who we are through God's grace. But then he ends it with his thought process about the Bible. Let's look at the last verse. And I love this verse. It says in the last verse, it says this. It says, thy word is true from the beginning and every one of of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. David is saying this. He's saying in my life that this word has been true since the day I was born to the day I'll die. That's in the beginning. Everything that he's seen before that. But then he says this. He says, everything, it'll endure forever. And that's his way of saying for us. For us. God's is not going to change. Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. You know what I like about that? It's one word. Aren't you glad that God is consistent? And let's talk about how great this book is, okay? Because sometimes I, I fail to point these things out. I don't know if you've ever, here's what I want you, here's some homework for you. Take a story of the Bible, read it today or tomorrow, read it the next day, and read it the next day, I promise you, you'll get something different from it. Promise you will. You know why? Because it's a living word. It's, it's, not a, it's not a dead word. Okay, how many of you ever read, I'm going to date myself, how many of you ever read um, Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys books? Okay. When you read those books, and you've read them one time, and you set them down and say, okay, I'm going to read these again the next in about a week, and you read it again. You know what? You're going to know who did it. It's going to, there's not going to be any change in it. But God's Word is a living Word, and it moves where you move. It moves to your age. It moves to your ability. It moves to your, your, your brains, the way you're thinking. It moves to your heart. And all these things, David's saying, listen, I have changed and I have done these wrong things, but God's word, it's always the same. Read that again. It says, thy word is true from the beginning. And then it says, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Thank God his judgment and his word endureth forever. You know, you you look in here and you go, oh, wow, there's things that's predicted in this Bible that man cannot explain. I I always go back, to when Germany got reunited. There's Gog and Magog. Do some research on it. Talks about how they they were brought back together in in Revelation. And here, you you ask somebody 50 years ago if if, if Germany would have been put together, they say, oh no, that'll never happen. And, And you see all these things happen, earthquakes hurricanes, all these things happening. Man, it's hitting every year. I was talking about my Sunday school. I don't remember so many hurricanes in my life, but they're just one right after the other. That's what the Bible said it would be at in, in the end times. So you know what? When you look at this, thy word is true. How many of you believe God's word is true? There's nothing wrong with it. And it's true from the beginning, and its, and it's judgments are going to last forever. And you know what? I'm so thankful for that. And you know, when we get up to, when we get to heaven and we see Christ, and I want to tell you this, when you see Christ, you're not going to be looking at him in the eyes, you're going to be looking at his feet. Because you're going to truly realize who you are and who he is. It's not going to be, hey, how great of a job I did for you. You're not even going to be able to look at him. You're going to be on your knees, bowing to him, understanding who he is and what we are. And I'm so thankful for what God's word does for us. You're going to have some afflictions. You're going to have problems in your life, oppositions. So you know what you need to do? Go back to understand you need life. You need that life. You need God to quicken you to make you what you need to be. And when that opposition comes, go back to that word and understand wherever it's at. Just go back to it and then understand that God's word from the beginning to the end is going to endure. And I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. So many things are written in these eight verses. May May we understand what you have for our life. Lord, you've got so many wonderful things for us. And you try to teach us along the way. Lord, sometimes we get wrapped up in our situation. We don't see what you're trying to teach us. Thank you for David, reading David's words and seeing what David says. Lord, may we truly understand what it is to love our enemies. What it is to love our word, love your word. Lord, may I get that loving kindness in my life. May I understand that Your word's been true from the beginning, all the way to the end. Lord, thank You for putting us through situations to grow us stronger. And I thank You for what You've done in in my life. I thank You for the good preaching I've heard the last couple days. Lord, may I may I truly apply it in our life, in my life. In Jesus' name, we pray.